especially working with entrepreneurs and small businesses, I really encourage them to think of brand right out of the gate. It's extraordinarily important that you have the brand values that are going to best resonate with your target customer and that those values are in alignment with what your communication strategy is through your digital channels. Social media ages up. People think of TikTok and they think Gen Z, but over the pandemic, there's a lot of Gen Xers on TikTok and, and millennials and baby boomers. The consumer has changed, you know, even not just with the brands that they're engaging with, but also with who are the influencers that the consumers engage with. We have been seeing the evolution of brands understanding that they need to engage not with the perfect picture influencer, but with those influencers that has a cultural voice. I'm Mara Genovese. I'm the founder and CMO of Imaging Power, a global influencer marketing agency. And this is our Influencer Marketing Uncover podcast. Today I'm here with Alex Vilev, our campaign manager, and together we are so thrilled to be joined by Tessa Mijazek, marketing master professor and consultant for entrepreneurs, small and medium business. With her experience and insights, we'll be focusing today, discussing into understand the evolution of brand management and how business and market professionals can stay ahead of the game by embracing new digital strategies to keep their business moving. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hi, Mara. I'm good. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited uh, to be co-hosting today's episode with our amazing guest joining us from Boston. Thank you so much for accepting our invite and uh, being part of Influencer Marketing Uncovered. Uh, so just wanted to kick this off by asking you, Tessa, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to have this conversation. So thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Tessa. Again, pleasure to have here uh, you here with us uh, today. Uh, as I mentioned before on our introduction, we would be discussing today about the evolution and then undeniable transformation that we are seeing on the brand management and role across every industry. Tessa, I would love to start this podcast asking you about uh, from your experience, of course, being working, you know, with so many entrepreneurs and small business, how do you see the brand manager evolve into this new digital ecosystem? It's, I mean, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's interesting because when you look at brand management today, I think people have a hard time deciphering between the product, the service, and the brand. The brand is ubiquitous. It's kind of built into and integrated into the fabric of everything that the company does. And so because of that, I think that especially working with entrepreneurs and small businesses, I really encourage them to think of brand right out of the gate. Um, you know, because the brand is very much linked to who they are as a company, who they are as entrepreneurs, what their value systems are. And then, of course, that gets, you know, conveyed through all of their digital media, their social, uh, social media, their any communications that they have about their company, about their brand, their product or their service. So it's one of those things that I, I think is really important to think about 
as soon as you can, you know, as a, as a small company, as an entrepreneur, but certainly for larger companies, it's extraordinarily important that you have the brand that and the brand values that are going to best resonate with your target customer. And that, that, that those values are in alignment with what your communication strategy strategy is through your digital channels. So it's, it's, it's complex. It's a, it's a very complex ecosystem, but if you have a really focused understanding of what you stand for as a brand, it does, I think, get easier as you think about what are the different platforms and what is your messaging through those different platforms. And do you see ch uh, challenges in terms of, do you see like your clients, they're facing challenging to embrace the new digital landscape? Uh, as you know, we all know that, you know, with the pandemic, Uh, that started in 2020. Uh, at that point, digital was already, you know, uh, a big thing for brand to, to consider into their marketing strategy and communications. But when the pandemic re reached in 2020, uh, it was, you know, they, there was no other way for brands to communicate with their consumers, right? So the digital became, uh, you know, an uh, essential part of any marketing strategy. But as an agency, we feel that uh, when you're talking with potential new clients or even with, you know, our current clients, that is still uh, some challenge, you know, when it comes to for them to understand the importance and, uh, and beyond that, how to measure results, right? How can I measure the results if I'm investing into digital market? Uh, I would love to hear, you know, like from your perspective, what is the, the biggest challenge uh, that, you know, especially entrepreneurs and small business are facing? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I think that's a great question. Uh, probably the number one comment I hear from entrepreneurs is I know I should be on more social media. I know I should be doing more in LinkedIn or name your platform, Facebook or Instagram. I know I should be doing more through um, blogging and, you know, providing thought leadership in my industry. I just don't know how to get started. So I think that that is one of the the hardest parts for small businesses is that they just don't understand you know, how to manage the number of platforms that they have to choose from, what's the best platform to start with, and then what kind of content is going to really resonate with their target market. And then you brought up a really great point, which is how do we measure this? Um, you know, are we supposed to measure it through, you know, number of followers? Are we supposed to measure it through number, you know, the amount of engagement that each of our followers have with each of our posts? You know, is it about conversion from leads to prospects to, to clients? You know, how, how do we, how do we actually, you know, get a handle on how to measure, um, you know, the amount of activity that we have through our digital platforms? So I think it's, I think it's, a, it's a challenge for, for entrepreneurs and small businesses to figure it out. Um, the, the thing is sitting there and, and wondering, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get started. You could ask that question all day long. So basically what I encourage entrepreneurs to do is, is jump in, right? And to develop content. And I think that especially, I, I do think there's a huge generational divide as it relates to um, being 
familiar and, and comfortable in social media and, and digital platforms. Uh, you know, I think I, I am a Gen Xer. Uh, so I think my generation and older millennials are a little bit apprehensive because they've been told forever, the internet is forever. And, you know, you have to have everything perfected, uh, you know, before you put anything out there. And, and it's an incredibly vulnerable thing to do, right? To, to develop content, or even if you're coming from a thought leadership perspective to put things out there. Um, but what we see from Gen Z and younger millennials is that they, they throw themselves out there all the time and they generate content. And through that, they generate the influence because it's authentic and it's who they are and, and that shines through. Um, and so I really encourage entrepreneurs to, to take the risk and just know that as long as they are authentically representing who they are in their company, that they really can't go wrong. And that the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. And that, Yes, things stay on the internet forever, but you know, there's so much noise that the likelihood that if you make a small error that it's going to to become something you have to worry about is pretty small. So, um, you know, so to jump in, get comfortable, create that first blog post, you know, start uh, commenting on and at least listen to what's happening on social media platforms, you know, looking at what the com your competitors are doing. Uh, that's a good start. And then and then start to jump in by developing some content that's relevant to what your business is about. Amazing. Uh, just based on that, uh, wanted to ask, because you mentioned the, brand, uh, the importance of the brand voice and really finding that voice, finding what the brand positioning is there. And now speaking about uh, social media and the positioning of like social media content, we have seen the rise of user generated content, word of mouth marketing. So wanted to ask you uh, when working with small brands, how would you advise them to work with, uh, let's say creators that they are actually their customers and really uh, tailor the content to actually fit within their, that brand voice and uh, their actual purpose and values? Yeah, so I mean, I think first it's really important for a company to to be straight on what their value system is and to understand that that's a way they can differentiate their company. Um, the, I'm not going to get the statistic exactly right, but it's something like upwards of over 80% of companies have the words teamwork, integrity, leadership in their value system, in their core values. Um, if you have the same value set as every other company out there, you're not really differentiating yourself. And so I do think it begins with uh, the company really doing an internal assessment of what, what, did, what do they want to stand for and, and how do they want to really have their company, company become meaningful um, to best connect with their target market and their target customers. And, and what is that value set? Is it uh, around creativity? Is it around curiosity? Is it around sustainability or some other values, inclusion and, and so forth? Um, and then when I think you've got that straight as a company, then you can start to look at who's, who are the creators, who are the influencers, who's having those conversations that have an alignment with values that you have. And, um, and that takes time. I, I think it takes time to explore and understand who's out there and, and who you can get in alignment with. I think it's a very different conversation B2C for business to consumer type products and CPG products than it is for business to business. Um, but, you know, I think it's also important to understand that social media ages up. 
And so TikTok, you know, people think of TikTok and they think Gen Z, but you know, over the pandemic, there's a lot of Gen Xers on TikTok and, and millennials and baby boomers. So um, I'd say, you know, again, explore, explore platforms that you think may not, you may, they may be out in the future for you, but again, it ages up. So maybe think of what's that next platform I should be looking at and who's on, who's having the conversations on those platforms around my interest area and, and what I like to do, whether it's fashion or health and beauty or, whatnot. And then, um, and then, and then start to listen, listen in social media, which is watching who's out there and then see how you can best connect and engage with, with those influencers, um, see how they're engaging with their following. I think that's really important. What's the trust that's been built between their followers and them. And, uh, and, and then, and then start to open up those conversations. Definitely. That's amazing advice. Actually, in terms of, uh, the TikTok, uh, demographic, I saw a breakdown yesterday that, uh, in the past few months, the demographic on TikTok has, uh, that around 60% is actually over 25 years old. So that's definitely changing and, uh, brands need to think about that when, uh, working on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's an amazing platform. Um, I, I have two teenage boys and uh, one of my sons has got um, over a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. So he's figured it out. I'm trying to catch up with him. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wonderful. But it's so true about that. You know, every platform, it aids up, right? If you think of Facebook, uh, Facebook has aged up. So now you can see my mother, you know, my aunt. So it is more like a older generation social platform. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Instagram and then you have a different, you know, age or just there. And then it comes to, to TikTok is the same. But it's very important for brands to understand that it is important to build up your presence across social channels because each platform you will be targeting different audiences because they're not the same, right? So your son that you mentioned, he's on TikTok, probably he's much more engaging with, you know, with the, the, the type of videos that he's been seeing on TikTok because it's fun, it's quick, it's authentic, it's innovative. There's no much filter, right? So TikTok is all about being real and it just go there, as you said, and creating the content without thinking if it's perfect, if it's no, it's just about like creating, you know, authentic uh, video content. Uh, and which I'm, I'm loving right now about, you know, the, this, this social landscape is how, uh, especially the Generation Z and the millennials, how they are valuing uh, to engage with brands that has purpose, that has, you know, uh, embracing diversity, that are embracing inclusivity, uh, because they are much more, not to say that they are savvier, but they they are more interesting brands that are taking part on on big movements that's happening around the world, like the Black Lives Matters, the LGBTQ you know movements, and you know is how do you see that you know uh, on that perspective of diversity and inclusion uh, in the future for brands? I I think that. I think brands will will not be able to get away with uh, with being able to be you know um, political apolitical or you know, be say oh I don't want to upset the apple cart I don't want to offend anyone so we're just gonna you know stay out of this conversation I think 
what we've seen is a breakdown in the information asymmetry because there's a more empowered consumer because of, you know, basically the democratization of information through the internet and through social platforms and digital media. And then with that, we have a new generational cohort of consumers being Gen Z and younger millennials who are saying, well, wait a minute, I, you know, I, I, my brand actually that I wear represents my personal brand, you know, it's, it's, it really represents who I am. And, and so I'm not going to wear a brand that doesn't think about their supply chain and, and has partnerships with other companies that don't value human rights or that are not sustainably environmental or that don't really address um, equity within their companies and don't address some of these really important issues to young, especially to young people right now. Um, and so as a result, they're voting with, they're voting with their dollar <laughs> uh, uh, with the brands. And so, you know, we've seen this, this movement, I think for brands to really, again, I, th I think, I do think it comes down to them being much more front and center about what their value set is. So if you go back almost a decade to Dove um, as a brand who came out and said, okay, we're a beauty bar, you know, they've always defined themselves as a beauty bar, not as a soap. So that worked in their favor, but they really redefined beauty by saying, okay, we're going to kind of abandon using models and all of our ads and use real women because we want to represent real beauty. Um, and then you see this, you know, a few years ago, Nike uh, naming Colin Kaepernick as their spokesperson uh, long before, you know, if we think about it, a few years before really the second wave of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, people were baby boomers were burning their Nike shoes on Twitter. But, you know, Nike knows who their <laughs> who their customer is and their sales went up. Um, because it really is that younger generation of consumers who say we want we want to wear Nikes and feel proud to wear Nikes because of what Nike represents, which is inclusion and diversity and so forth. Um, and I think what's important to think about is that it was that for for Nike to do that, it was in alignment with what they've always said, which is they've always had an inclusive message around their motto, which is, you know, if you have a body, you're an athlete, that's actually within their mantra. And so they've always had this message of inclusion, and then for them to extend it, and to really make it front and center in their in their marketing campaigns, and to choose Colin, like it was in alignment. So no one really was cynical about that move. I think a lot of people embraced that and, and saw it as being in alignment with who the brand is. And so again, that's why I always caution brands that whatever whatever's happening in the world, you do have to be careful that if you're going to come out and say, I'm, I'm on the side of this, you better hope that your company is operationalizing that value. Because if not, people are going to call you out on it. Because again, the walls of information have been broken down and, and um, you know, people can do the research and know if you're talking about inclusion, well, you better have a board and a senior leadership team and an organization that looks inclusive. And if not, um, then, then you really look like you're just pandering and not authentic in representing that value. So 
again, that's why I encourage, especially startups, especially small businesses, it's never too early to think about those questions and who you want your, how you want your brand to be represented. Because when you think about the, all the business decisions you'll make in your company and how you'll operationalize that, you need to operationalize that brand value, those brand values, that brand purpose, um, so that every touch point the customer has with, with your company, that, that they feel that brand promise. Absolutely. And amazing, everything you said, and, 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 and totally agree with you. And it's, within influencer marketing, we have seen the shift, right? Because here, what we do, we create strategy for our clients uh, to develop influencer marketing campaigns. And when I started five years ago, uh, brands were more interested to engage with influencers that has the aspirational content, the perfect picture, the influencer with the perfect skin, the perfect makeup, the perfect clothes. Because five years ago, that influencer marketing was so new uh, to so many brands that for them, what would engage with the audience would be the number of followers that the influencer will have, especially the influencer with over 1 million followers, but also if the influencer has the perfect picture aspirational content. And we have been seeing the evolution of brands understanding that they need to engage not with the perfect picture influencer, but with those influencers that has a cultural voice, right? That is just creating content that they are actually using their voice to embrace, you know, a movement or to talking about a subjective like a sustainability, you know, the global climate. And it's important for brands to be associated with those cultural voices because they are the ones that they will find the more of the brand values affinity rather than the influencer that is just more I'll, n nothing against those right but i think it's important for brands to understand that even the consumer has changed you know even not just with the brands that they're engaging with but also with who are the influencers that the consumers engage with so this has shifted a lot so more and more like especially uh we are spending much more time on social media right so it, especially throughout the pandemic, as you said, the TikTok, and now we have Clubhouse, you know, the Clubhouse is the new thing that everyone is trying to, you know, to understand how it works, but we are spending more time on social, but we wanted to spend quality time on social, so for that, we wanted to follow people that are passing good information that we can actually learn something from, And it's in incredible to see that the brands are understanding that and are trying to be, you know, collaborating with influencers that has more that cultural voices rather than just be an influencer that is not, you know, creating content that is, is informative and, and, and valuable. Uh, talking about Clubhouse, have you, have you tried? Uh, have you heard about it? Uh, would love to 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 get to know uh, if you if you have explored Clubhouse yet or not. And no, I've heard of it, but I have not tried it, so I can't really speak to that one yet. Yeah, no, Clubhouse with is such a new thing, right? And then uh, as the, as we're talking about thought leadership. I feel like Clubhouse will become uh, a, a tool uh, for thought leaders to be exploring uh, a lot in the future. So it will be interesting for us to 
to watch out this uh, space uh, of, of Clubhouse. Going back to influencer marketing, do you see the uh, value for small brands and you know startups to starting their business when they are you know right at the beginning? Do you normally recommend them to work straight with influencer marketing? Do you see value of small brands investing uh, at the early beginnings of their brands in influencer marketing? I'm, I mean, I think it's critical, <laughs> to be honest, um, because it's it's hard when you don't have really a, a reputation. You know, people rely on that word of mouth or to, to have people that they trust make recommendations for um, a small business, for a startup and so forth. So, you know, I think it's one of the fastest ways to gain that level of credibility, to be able to connect in with a following um, and to really get engaged with a, a target market or a population that will trust the person who would say, you know, go, go try this app or go, you know, go check out this restaurant or whatever, whatever the case may be. So I think it's, um, I think it's a fantastic way to connect in with a population. And again, it, it comes down to trust. I mean, the reason why influencer marketing works so well is because, again, this, you know, the influencers and those who have created this level of authority have also developed this incredible trust through their ability to be authentic and to connect um, with their with their following, with the people that they, they they're within their brand community or within their community, so for brands to be able to tap into that is is incredibly powerful. And again, I'm always so impressed with influencers because they they won't usually represent something that they don't feel like they can authentically represent. Um, and and so I, I think that be, building a partnership with an influencer and using influence marketing. And again, I think that um, being able to tap into to someone who's already got their following is one thing. I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, too, it's important to also, as a founder, build your personal brand and to develop those tools that you, too, could become an influencer someday within your industry context or or for your business. So I, I think kind of approaching it from those two parallel tracks is, is really important for startups and small businesses. In terms of uh, influencer marketing, and you mentioned some of the key uh, factors here with authenticity, working with people that are really like honing in on your brand voice and on your messaging and also are like actual true consumers of the product. But in the world of influencer marketing, we are constantly discussing ROI, return of investment, and how that can be proven by brands. So just wanted to ask, in your perspective, how can brands move from that you know, brand awareness stage of uh, working with influencers to really that conversion stage, uh, like actually getting consumers and getting sales through their influencer marketing strategies? Yeah, so I mean, I, again, I think... Um... It depends on the context of your B2B or B2C. I think that a lot with influencer marketing, if we weren't in COVID times, <laughs> if we weren't in a global pandemic, but hopeful that with vaccinations, we'll be you know, having a much better summer. 
Um, I think, first of all, in a B2C context, using influencer marketing around other brand experiences. So I think, again, the more touch points customers can have with your brand, the more successful you'll, your brand awareness will be, and then you'll be able to convert um, you know, awareness into leads, into, into sales. And so, and, and really, hopefully develop brand loyal you know, following and brand loyal consumers. So I think that being able to develop touch points with the brand through through influencer marketing, having influencers be at events, be you know doing lives, doing um, whether it's through social media or actually being physically present, um, because I do think influencer marketing can happen offline too <laughs> um, to help promote events and also perhaps even appear at events. Um, I, I think that that is really powerful for B two C context, um, and then for a B two B context, I. Do do think it's a little bit different, but I, I think it's I think it's very powerful as well. Um, when you think about you know, a certain level, if you services or anything along those lines, to be able to bring in that thought leadership, to be able to to really think about how you can add value that it's not just entertainment, but that you're actually bringing something of value to your potential customer and. And being able to provide that level of resource to your customer, I think that you as a brand start building more trust with them. And then they are able to, to kind of let, you know, they get in the door with the influencer, but they start building the, the relationship directly with the brand. So I think that that's an, a, a very powerful thing as well. Um, so I think it's about being able to, to do what marketing does best, which is value creation and, and how you can leverage the influencers to bring that value to the customer. And then the customer starts to recognize that it's the brand that's bringing that value and appreciates that and, and will, will become more brand loyal. Wonderful. Just um, one thing that you, you mentioned now about lives. Uh, we are hearing, you know, a lot about nowadays about live streaming shopping, live concerts, you know, live, like even the clubhouses and mentioned is, is a live room where you can be, you know, discussing a topic for a group of people. Uh, and I think on our perspective, live streaming will, it's not the future, it's the present and more and more brands would need to to understand you know this new format of selling this new format of promoting an event uh because we don't know if the normality that we used to have in the past if it will come back as it was before we know we will have some type of normality back but we don't know what extent that would be right and nowadays, digital and influencer marketing is all about, you know, how can I innovate it? You know, how can I be innovative and, and ahead of the game and creating something digitally that will put my brand, you know, further down the lines in terms of innovation? What is your, you know, view on this live streaming new way of, you know, creating content? Um, you know, I think that, I think like everything online, it's becoming noisy and crowded and people are starting to prioritize the, what are the one or two things they'll do a month live stream. Um, and again, I, I think it depends on, on who the consumer is, what generation they're in. Um, you know, my kids will live stream all day on Twitch <laughs> if it has to do with, you know, influencers that are doing playing a match in a video game or in Fortnite or something along those lines. 
versus, you know, if, if I'm a older consumer and I'm in, you know, a B2B context, then I'm probably picking the one or two things a month that I'm going to be tapping into versus if it's a B2C context, um, I'm probably going to be seeing what's happening with those brands that I'm really loyal to. And then, you know, I think it's how it comes up in your feed as well. I think being able to offer opportunities for people to try something, to be part of something um, like a pilot. So if you're in the health and wellness field, for instance, in that type of company or that brand, being able to give people an opportunity to try it. So, you know, if it's yoga or meditation, it's participate in this free meditation series or something along those lines or take a class or something uh, along those lines. But again, it's about being able to create value and it, you have to be able to cut through the noise. And that's, that's, I think, becoming increasingly difficult because there is so much of this happening. Um, I am, I think that we'll be more interacting in a three-dimensional way <laughs> once we get through the pandemic. And I do think the brand experiences will move offline and people will want to have that, you know, multimodality approach where it's online and offline. And you, I also think it's important to think about the consistency. I, when it comes to your digital brand strategy or your brand strategy overall, digital and uh, in person, I, I think it's the, the key there is just being consistent and Again, what is your brand voice? What's, what's your personality? How are you connecting and uh, with your target consumer? And that's where influencer marketing can come in because it's really about having them, those influencers really be able to convey that voice, convey those values, convey that personality in a way that connects with perhaps a new group of, uh, of consumers that you've been, it's been difficult to reach them or or whatever the case might be. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next six months. You know, I, I think there are some aspects of what people have been experiencing through the pandemic that will stick, but I think a lot of people are, are looking forward to a time when we can, can be in person again <laughs> and leave the house. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Uh, Tessa, and what about e-commerce? What is your thoughts about brands that are, you know, like that they are already ahead of the game invest on e-commerce, but we, we know that e-commerce will, you know, continue to become, you know, something that, you know, big for brands. So what, are, what is your view on the e-commerce landscape from now on? I, I mean, I think e-commerce is, um, is almost an, becoming an antiquated term. I think it's social commerce. So, uh, or social e-commerce, right? So I think shopping is through social media and, and digital platforms. And when we think about e-commerce, we either think Amazon or we think about going to someone's site and shopping on their site. I think more and more it's happening through people's feeds and it's a lot of uh, spontaneous purchases that people see and, and will resonate. Uh, I do think when it comes to digital marketing, though, you need to have, again, a multimodality approach, which is if you've got that person who's filling their cart because they saw something on Instagram and they, you know, they went down the rabbit hole of, of <laughs> shopping and they like something, they clicked on it and then they started shopping, they filled their cart, but they didn't purchase it, which is which is common. To, to have the email follow-up to, you know, continue to say to that person, hey, by the way, you still have a full cart and you need to, 
you know, here's an extra shipping code so that you get free shipping and so forth to really get them to, to purchase. But I, I, I believe that obviously social e-commerce, the e-commerce is here to, and I think will become, um, Honestly, I think for CBG, CPG companies in particular, like grocery stores and, and such, I think that when we see what Amazon's doing and, and home delivery services and things like that, I think that those traditional ways of shopping are, are really threatened in the next you know, five, 10 years. And that um, I do think we'll see e-commerce and social e-commerce really evolve, but I do think that that, that is the future. <laughs> and um, so that's, and if you, the last thing I would just say, a really interesting brand to look at as they have evolved this is Glossier. Um, I think that Emily Weiss has done an absolutely spectacular job. Um, I teach this in my marketing classes, my brand management classes, as a case study on the way she evolved Glossier, which was really through curating a following and a community and then developing products that they would like. And then that, you know, of course she's the, she's the one that really termed social e-commerce. So I think that that's an interesting brand to study in looking at the future of, of this. No, Glossier, like it's a, it's definitely uh, an incredible case study. And to, to talk about Glossier, like we can see Bumble as well, right? So Bumble, the dating app that yesterday went to IPO. Yes, the youngest woman uh, CEO, a billionaire. It's very exciting. So we have been working with Bumble for one year now, uh, developing campaigns through influencer marketing for UK and, and Germany. And what Bumble did is it's similar to Glossier, but it's a different product. But Bumble has established their brand through social, right? So they built up an incredible community uh, of women uh, to that wanted to make to engage them to make the first move, and all, all they did was through social and influencer marketing. And to see what the Bumble brand became in seven years through social, it's a it's a is a great case study to prove the point that. You can build a brand through social if you have the right strategy in place, if you know what your values are, if you know what's the purpose of your brand, if you wanted who is the community that you wanted to engage with. Uh, I feel I, I'm very fascinated about social and about influencer marketing. And uh, I truly believe, as you said, that the future is social commerce. So the future is the e-commerce. Uh, there is no, uh, there is no discussion uh, about that. I, I believe it's more of a futuristic look at branding, and it's very much about intertwining humanity and branding, um, and and the whole values piece, which is probably why I spoke about it a bit. <laughs> um, Love that you talk about humanity because I truly, I'm a truly believer that, you know, especially in the digital space, we have to be more and more humans and having that human connection because yeah. the digital, we're still going to be here. We know that, but we, we need to be considering that human spark still need to be there as well. And how can you, you know, uh, balance that out, you know, the human connection with the digital, because we cannot lose that, right? We have to have that humanity and that humanity can reflect on content as well that we are discussing, you know, how can you create a content that has more of that humanity into it rather than just 
having a content that's more commercial driven rather than having that human human connection. Uh, Alex, um, do you want to do a last question to Tessa? Yeah, I want to do a last question, which is going to be a bit more of a fun question because I've heard you're a big fan of Super Bowl ads. <laughs> just wanted to ask in terms of like Super Bowl ads, do you believe that the pricing of Super Bowl ads is is correct? Is it too high? Uh, is it overrated? And which one is your favorite Super Bowl ad? <laughs> well, that's that's a tough question. Um, it's, so I'm sure you've heard from maybe a for, former student of mine or two uh, that I, yeah, I talk about Super Bowl ads in my class, primarily because it's one of the only occasions. First of all, I think it's one of the biggest marketing events of the year. <laughs> Forget about the the American football. It's it's actually uh, all about the commercials and you know the brands that that are in the Super Bowl ads. They get as much conversation and play as as the game itself. So it's always fun to see. And also because you know when you look at mass media, which is really you know traditional commercials and mass media, there's it's almost completely fallen by the wayside <laughs> and you're you know seeing more and more um obviously with with digital you know the the youtube videos and really the short storytelling that that happens through these ads is just really incredible but it's it's fun to see one mass media event that actually gets everyone's attention to you know where people pay attention to the commercials and don't go, run to the kitchen and get their popcorn during them but actually will stay and watch um, I, I think it's it's an interesting platform because what we've seen over the last couple of years with the Super Bowl is that values question come through again, right? And I in the American market, there's we've been obviously, I'm sure everyone knows, in a very interesting political situation for the last couple of years. And and with Black Lives Matter and with a lot of the the issues that have been percolating, the Me Too movement and so forth, we've seen a lot of uh big brand companies come out and utilize that platform to make a pivot on what they have really represented in media, especially the mass media market for decades and try to pivot towards, I think, appealing to a much younger generation, to appealing differently to a woman consumer who is becoming much more empowered. And I think, you know, companies are really shifting their messaging towards women, which is a good thing. Um, so an example I can think of from the last couple of years is Gillette, um, which came out with that toxic masculinity ad, really addressing their own messaging over the past few decades and then being able to point towards, you know, the fact that they need to um, do a better job in the way that they're messaging to men and in the environment and around toxic masculinity. If you haven't seen the ad, go check it out on YouTube. Um, so I think it's been an interesting platform for that reason. This year, everyone's talking about the Jeep ad uh, that came out with Bruce Springsteen that was really talking about unity, which is obviously a message right now that's resonating in the United States um, given the recent election. So it's it's fun to, to see what the ads come out, out with. Of course, the, there's always some really funny ads and it's always fun to see. And I always have my students pick their favorites and we have big discussions in it in class. Uh, but there's always the longer version on YouTube. And it's interesting to see how 
brands who like Gillette, who actually started a foundation. And then it was really a kickoff for a whole series of ads. They've come out with an ad around um, transgender and so forth. Uh, you know, when you think about the, the investment that they make in that, that platform to run an ad, to really kick it off and completely pivoting their entire marketing strategy, it probably is a worthy investment because it certainly did get some people to pay attention. So that's what I was about to say. If they do make the investment is because they're getting their return, right? Because, uh, it is so expensive and every year you continue to see that the brands are still investing on advertising for Super Bowl. So that means they probably are getting an incredible return of investment uh, to, you know, to be part of Super Bowl. Tessa, it's been wonderful to speaking with you. Thank you so much for your, your you know, brilliant insights. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We really appreciate your time uh, with us. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, we hope to be able to meet you in person soon. Uh, and yes, once again, thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been a, a wonderful pleasure to be part of this and I've enjoyed the conversation. So um, best of luck to both of you. And um, I hope to stay in touch for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.